Hey there, and welcome to the sixth episode of Lights, Cameras, Teach. I believe that just like an action-packed movie, a successful classroom needs a good director. Each episode of this podcast will share ideas about why I think it's essential to keep kids engaged in active learning and how to make the classroom a place where kids want to be. With each podcast and blog post that I publish, I reflect more and more on my own teaching practices and realize that the small things that we do as teachers have the biggest impact on classroom culture. In the previous episode, I talked about my second teaching non-negotiable and shared a little bit about what I do in the classroom to make memories and build bonds with my students. Creating a positive classroom culture can also happen outside the walls of our classroom. One thing that I used to do is I used to take my class to the movies. Back in the day, I would read a class novel that I knew was going to come out as a motion picture. For many years, I've read and taken my class to see all different movies, including Bridge to Terabithia, Nim's Island, Holes, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Mr. Popper's Penguins, and most recently, Wonder. The next day, we would get into great conversations about which was better, the book or the movie, and almost always the kids would say the book. About eight or nine years ago, during a math lesson on how to calculate tax and tip, we went off on a tangent as usual, but this time about our favorite restaurants. My students started naming places like McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Wendy's as their favorites. And this was a crisis. We had a 20-minute debate on what makes a restaurant versus a fast food restaurant, and in the end, I told my class that we were all going to a restaurant together. But there was a catch. They had to agree to a few things. One, they would each need to calculate the tip and the tax for their table. The second one was that they would have to come dressed to impress. And the last would be that students would have to practice their presentation skills, soft skills such as handshaking, proper etiquette, and holding conversations. So immediately I contacted a local restaurant that I dined at often and inquired about booking part of their restaurant for this experience. The owner was terrific. She gave us the restaurant's back room and created a special priced fixed menu at a significant discount. I also invited the parents who sat at a separate adult table. And this was a fantastic way to build relationships not just with my students but with their families too. Another fun activity that I would do with my class would be to take them bowling. Again, I would contact the owner of a local bowling alley and explain that I was a teacher and asked if they could create a special package for us. Usually I had to agree to go on an off time, but they always gave us a huge discount, which usually included two hours of unlimited bowling for about $10 a kid, and they would throw in the shoe rental. This was again another opportunity for kids to practice and showcase those presentation skills. Leadership and presentation skills are something I, as a teacher, take very seriously. Those skills include manners, accepting and receiving constructive feedback, how to communicate and collaborate with peers and adults, and how to use technology responsibly. While I am confident that many students are being taught these skills at home, we can't assume it. I explained to parents at the very beginning of the year that these skills are part of my daily curriculum and we will practice them throughout the year. 
Another thing that I usually do to celebrate the end of the year is to take the kids miniature golfing or go-karting or laser tag. I would set up these arrangements ahead of time and we would usually get the entire complex for two hours. The kids loved this. Their families, siblings included, were invited and we would end the night with ice cream. I also use this event to celebrate our winning house. Next week, I'll talk more about the house system that I use in my class, which is my third non-negotiable classroom management. Since moving to sunny California, I started to take my class hiking. What I love about this is that it's free and it's so easy to do on a Saturday or Sunday morning. I have my students and their parents meet me at the base of the trail. We hike up the hill together, we hike back down and part our ways. This one is great because again, it's free and it only takes about an hour. Back when I lived in New York, I would take my students into New York City. I worked in the suburbs of Long Island, which was about an hour east of Manhattan. Some years I would invite students and their parents to meet me in the city to see a Broadway show or visit a museum. And usually after studying immigration, I would offer a weekend trip into the city to go to the Statue of Liberty. And on next week's episode of my podcast, I'm hosting a parent who went on one of those trips who will be sharing a very funny story about two things that happened. These shared experiences just don't create lasting memories, but they solidify and deepen the bonds between students, teachers, and parents. These are the things that they're going to remember when they're older. That crazy teacher who took them to do something different. For several reasons, you may not be able to do these things with your class. However, you don't need to leave the school to create something special. If you can't go to the movies, then bring a movie in. I know teachers who've gotten permission to do an after-school movie in their classroom or in a shared space such as a gym or a school library. The same can be done with bowling or some type of sporting event. If you can't dine out at a restaurant, maybe a parent or a group of parents can host a dinner or a lunch at their house. Before I started taking my students to an actual restaurant, I had a family host our class for a potluck dinner. Rather than going on a hike, maybe students can come in before school or stay after and you could just do a walk around the school's grounds. Think outside of the box. Your students are going to love anything extra or different that you do for them. In addition to taking my class places, I've also been invited to go places with my class. I've gone to student sports games, birthday parties, and even dinner at their homes. I love getting to see my students in their own environment. I always feel honored to be invited into a student's home. They get excited to show me their house and their rooms. Once a student and her parents actually invited me and my own parents to dinner at their home. It was a lot of fun and my parents really got a kick out of it. If you choose to do any of these things, I have a little advice. First, I always have students bring a parent or guardian with them. I make it clear that these events are not associated with the school at all and are completely voluntary. I remind students that we all have busy schedules and if they cannot attend, that there'll always be another opportunity to participate in something. 
I like having parents there. One, it's for my own protection, and two, it helps strengthen that home-school connection. The relationships I form with parents during these activities are just as and sometimes even more important than those that I'm actually forming with my students. Earning their trust and support is essential for a good school year. Episode 6, Reflection Questions. Number 1. Is there something new that you can do outside of the classroom to help create memories and build bonds with your students? Number 2. Are there any local businesses that would support you bringing your class to do something special? Number 3. What lessons do you teach that can be extended beyond the walls of your classroom? Number four, are you able to get parents to help you organize something outside of the classroom? And number five, what are some little things that you can do to make a big impact on your students outside the walls of your classroom? I am honored to have my next guest on Lights, Cameras, Teach. Adam DeVico is not just an amazing educator, he is a published author, he co-leads the Get Your Lead On Conference for Administrators, he's a husband and he's a dad for two boys. I met Adam a decade ago when I was visiting the Ron Clark Academy, and since then he and I have become friends. Adam, it is such an honor to have you on today. Like I said in my introduction, you have had such an impact on my own educational journey. So thank you for taking a little time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on Lights, Cameras, Teach. Absolutely. Pleasure being here, Kevin. Um, so in about 60 seconds or so, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe tell us where you grew up, where you went to school, and maybe some various roles that you've had as an educator? Sure thing. So I am born and raised in the state of New Jersey, and I uh, decided to go down south for college. I went to Wake Forest University in North Carolina and discovered that uh, there's not as much snow and not as much traffic. So I decided to, I guess, become a southerner in some ways. And for the past 20 or so years, I've been down south and made a tour through North Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, back to North Carolina. And I've, I've served as a, as a teacher, curriculum coordinator, I taught at the Ron Clark Academy. I went back to my alma mater, Wake Forest University, and became a clinical professor there. I also got a chance to be a principal, and I've uh, been super fortunate to have been able to travel across the country. I've uh, been to over 200 schools and districts, gotten to do professional development, keynote speeches, and just really just see education from so many different lenses. So it's uh, kind of my little journey in a nutshell, but uh, currently, I'm getting to be the best dad I can. I have, uh, my wife is a, is a pediatrician. I have two boys, ages eight and almost five. Awesome. Um, I like to always ask my teacher guests on Lights, Camera, Teach this first question, and it's, uh, did you have a teacher who inspired you to become an educator? And if so, uh, what did he or she do to inspire you? Yeah, so I began my career as a fifth grade teacher, and that was definitely no coincidence. My, my fifth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Bruns, he was a, up in New Jersey. He was, you know, as a fifth grader, everyone looks tall, but he was particularly <laughs> towering as a fifth grader. And just, you know, I'll be honest, I don't remember much other than like learning my states and capitals. <laughs> but I remember all the stuff he did 
with our class and and particularly i mean personally speaking he came to all my basketball games uh he would drive me he lived just kind of a few blocks away from me so he would drive me home because I, I used to walk so if it was raining or something like that he would drive me uh just small stuff that stuck with me and small things that show that a teacher can be more than just that person in the four walls and ultimately I, I do credit him. I've had many great teachers, so don't get me wrong, but uh, Mr. Bruns in particular really inspired me to be a teacher. And I guess in ode to him, I became a fifth grade teacher. Nice. Yeah. The more and more I reflect on my own teaching practices and why I became a teacher, it is those small things that teachers do that really have the biggest impact, I think. Absolutely. Uh, in, pre in previous episodes, I speak about the importance of finding your teacher tribe and having mentors. I imagine you have inspired quite a few people and mentored lots of educators, but what are some of your own mentors or people maybe who have inspired you through your career in education? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to the very, very early days, my, my cooperating teacher, <laughs> Uh, his name's Shane O'Neill. He's a principal now, actually. So I got to serve as a principal with him as well uh, when I was a principal. But at the time, he was a fifth grade teacher and I was student teaching for him. I ended up getting hired at that school the next year, also in fifth grade. Uh, one, of oh, the wow. other, one of the other people retired. So they just kind of slid me right in there for the following year. But you know, he, he, was, he's a young, he was a young guy, uh, innovative, energetic, and I just kind of modeled a lot of my practices after him as, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I necessarily realized it at the time, but as my career went on, you know, you take little pieces of everyone you see. And I, I've, I've certainly seen a lot of pieces in myself through how Shane taught uh, as, as a teacher and my cooperating teacher. And then I'll say my first assistant principal, when I got hired as a student teacher and as a first year teacher, uh, her name is Teresa Dees, and I learned a lot from her about how to be an administrator, and obviously I was just a, a fifth grade teacher at the time, but later on, I definitely learned how to be a school leader through a lot of the things that she demonstrated, and things as simple as knowing the kids' names. She had this amazing ability to learn. She knew not every, not just every kid's name. She knew every parent's name. She knew their dog's name. She knew their second cousin removed name. She just <laughs> knew, she knew every kid. She knew their story. She knew their background that doesn't happen by accident right and so seeing the those little things she did and how it impacted the relationships with the families i'll just give you a real real quick example i remember distinctly being in an iep meeting with her she was kind of the leadership liaison i was the the teacher liaison and i remember the parent was a little bit fired up and she just kind of calmly started talking about you know, the family asking how they were. She, again, she knew everyone by name. And all of a sudden that parent just became so much more relaxed, so much more. It just became more of a, a personal kind of relationship rather than this, you know, high tension situation. And, and that stuck with me. And, and I used a lot of that uh, approach as I became a principal as well and modeled definitely after what I, I Neat. So you and I met, uh, you were teaching at the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, that place that I hold very close to my, my heart. Um, yep. I think it was probably about 2010, and I was observing you teaching a current events lesson, and your passion for your content was very memorable. And anyone who has visited RCA knows that the students at RCA demonstrate outstanding communication skills. And mm -hmm. earlier in this podcast, I spoke about how at the school I currently work at, we modeled our own personal presentation and leadership program after the things that you did when you were 
um, a principal at your school and things that you write about in the Limitless, Limitless School. Can you talk a little bit about the acronym special, maybe how you came up with it and the purpose behind it? Sure thing. So I knew uh, I knew I wanted to do something to help teachers, I guess, transfer this skill that many had observed while while visiting the Ron Clark Academy and knew that they wanted to bring it back to the school, but not necessarily know how to. It's one thing to to witness and to experience something, but then to be able to transfer it back to your own practice is sometimes challenging. And this idea of, I'll call it social interactions. I mean, there's lots of names for it, soft skills, social interactions, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I actually had done those w way before ever working at the Ron Clark Academy, but obviously once working at the Ron Clark Academy, it gets accentuated and brought to another level. So I brought together my own. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I kind of brought together all my experiences and different uh, examples of, of being able to try this stuff out for good and bad. Not everything worked. And it was actually during the time when I was a, a clinical professor at Wake Forest, I had a little bit of opportunity to do some reading and just play around with different things. And ultimately, I, I, I did the research on what are types of things that people, when they meet. And so things like shaking hands, uh, I, uh, introducing yourself, asking questions about the person, listening, all these things kind of emerged. And I, you know, I, I, I'm an acronym kind of person, but I think it needs to be applied to a situation where it can be not just memorize. It's one thing to memorize something, but it needs to be something that needs to be implemented as well. And so special really just became this easy way to remember, all right, this is something that I can do when I meet someone, but ultimately I need to practice it. I need to learn it. I need to refine it. And I need to make it something that becomes more than an acronym. It becomes just what I do. And so as a principal, as a teacher and so on, that's, that's really what I've tried to teach that this is not just a, a word. It's not just an acronym. This is something that will carry with you throughout your life and it's been really neat to see so many teachers and schools and students kind of take this basic foundation and make it a part of who they are yeah um, most of this episode previously was dedicated to uh, my teaching negotiable called uh, non-negotiable that's called making memories and building bonds and i talked about those connections aren't always done inside the walls of a classroom Mm -hmm. uh, what is something that you've done outside of your classroom to either make memories or build bonds with your students? Well, I guess the the first thing I'll say is I've been to more cheerleading and dance competitions than I'd ever like to admit. I think I could be <laughs> I could be a cheerleader at this point. The number of routines I've seen. So you know, just things like competitions and basketball games and soccer games and uh, all those kinds of things matter a lot. I, I've I will never turn down an invitation if I'm available. I'll, I try to go to as many of those things as I can when I, when I get invited. But I think the one thing that made a huge difference as a teacher, as a principal, and it was something that we did as a school when I was a principal, were home visits. I think that was something that really made a difference in the way that we have relationships with our students. Just being able to go into a setting that's uh, kind of in the ballpark of the student. I mean, you're walking into their home. Mm. It's a different dynamic. It's not a parent that has to come into your classroom. It's not a parent that has to, you know, be in the principal's office. You're going into their home and, and it's, you know, it's their comfort zone. And so the dynamic changes a lot. 
And, you know, we never did a home visit for a parent that wasn't open to it. It was not a mandatory thing for us. It was just something that we wanted to throw out there. And, and it's, it's challenging at first because a lot of parents were like, wait, why, why do you want to come over? Right. It was simply just a matter of, hey, we, we like you guys. We like your kids. We want to uh, be a part of your family. And, and after we kind of showed that narrative and more and more parents were doing it, it became just something that the kids were dying to have. Uh, kids were begging us to do home visits to their house. And it was just really neat to see how excited the kids were to show us their playroom, their, their bedroom, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, so if, if I had to point to one thing outside the school walls that, that has stuck with me over many, many years of doing these, it would be the home visits. Awesome. Um, so you and Todd Nelsoni have teamed up to co-write a book being published by two of my favorite pirates, Dave and Shelley Burgess. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your third book, and I think it's Todd's fourth. Are you able to tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to? Absolutely. So the book is called When Kids Lead. And the premise of the book is it's actually written for adults. It's a way for adults to see how can you cultivate, empower, and, and really build up student leadership. Kids can do some really amazing things. And I think now with the with the premise of social media being out there so much, we're seeing it more. We're seeing youth being able to, to make change and be empowered. But at the end of the day, it does take adults to really cultivate that because you know there are resources needed. There's that encouragement. Uh, kids traditionally aren't seen as the leaders of the society or of community, but they can be. And so this book was really written through the, through the eyes of how adults can cultivate the students in their classroom, in their families, on their teams, on their, in their clubs, and empower them to be leaders. And, and the cool part is everyone starts at a different point. Not everyone has to be – sometimes we hear leadership and we think it's like the person in the very front. Hmm. And that's not necessarily true. Leadership can be shown and demonstrated in many different ways, and that's what we write about in the book is leadership is not one cookie-cutter model. And we try to, Todd and I write stories and examples and ideas, suggestions on ways to uh, bring that to all types of your students. Nice. Uh, in addition to Get Your Lead On conferences, you um, and you and I haven't actually had a chance to talk about this yet, but you just launched a product called The Morning Tubs. Can you tell us a little bit about those and where we can find them? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my dear, dear friends, Katie Mency and Ho- Jose Cortez Berto, uh, the three of us kind of all come from different backgrounds and angles, but we have this common <laughs> desire to structure what mornings look like. And if you remember kind of back to when you were in school, most of our school experience in the morning when you walk into class involved being quiet, uh, <laughs> down, maybe doing like a worksheet, worksheet, like a yes. a day, something like that. And a school has existed like this for eons, but I don't, I think there's just something to be said about starting off your morning in a way that's going to make it excited to start off your morning. If, if you know what I mean. And like many adults, adults want to interact with their colleagues in the morning. And so the idea of restarting or rethinking your morning uh, kind of began for me with this idea of morning choice, which involves a bit more like games and stuff like that. Katie, on the other hand, who's been a long, long time kindergarten teacher, she had this idea of morning tubs, and she's done that in her classroom for a long time. And it's the same idea of kind of that interaction, social skills, uh, re 
refocusing what the mornings can look like and teamwork and problem solving. And so the three of us came up with this product uh, called, called Morning Tubs, where, and right now it's just for kindergarten, where we actually supply all the materials, all the cards, all the standards-based aligned materials that you need to start up your morning tubs. And uh, the idea was that everything was already printed, everything was already purchased, everything was already sorted. You just need to open up the box and you got cut out a couple things, but other than that, <laughs> kind of go. And it's been super neat over the past month or so seeing how many teachers have kind of taken this idea and, and started to rethink what their mornings can look like with their kindergartners. Nice. Okay. So before I let you go, I always like to end my interviews with what I call the rapid five. And they're just five questions that you'll answer with the very first thing that pops into your head. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Uh, number one, title of your favorite book? Favorite book is going to be uh, a book called Made to Stick by Dan and Chip Heath. Okay. It, uh, it's a cool book. One of my favorites. Uh, would, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or would you rather be forced to sing along to any song that you heard? For the sake of everyone else involved, perhaps watching, I'll say dance because you don't want to hear me. Sing. So I'll stick to dancing. Uh, what's the last movie you saw in a movie theater? Last movie, because I have two young kids, we saw Frozen 2 in the movies. Lucky you. Uh, mountains <laughs> or the beach? I'll say the beach. Nice. And if you could dine with anybody, living or dead, who would it be? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, uh, can I give two answers? Is that allowed? Sure, why not? All right. <laughs> I'll give one personal and one professional. So okay. for professional in the education realm, I'll say John Dewey. Okay. I really like his philosophies. And totally just because I love sports and stuff, there's this guy named uh, Scott Hansen. He's a broadcaster who does football stuff on, on Red Zone. I, most people are not going to know who he is, but I just love I, – I, he's got the coolest job ever. I'd want to talk to him. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat today. If you want to check out the amazing things that Adam is doing, please check Adam out on social media and his website, which is adamdevico.com. On next week's episode of Lights, Cameras, Teach, I'll be interviewing a former parent whose daughter was in my very last class that I taught in New York. She shares about what she remembers about her daughter being in my class, how I helped build that homeschool connection, and tells a very funny story about our trip to the Statue of Liberty. Until next time, thanks for listening to Lights, Cameras, Teach. <laughs>